Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, August the 9th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On August 9, 1974, Vice President George Gerald Ford, he became the nation's 38th president. President Nixon's resignation took effect today, August 9, 1974. Today, 1934, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed an executive order nationalizing silver. Today, in 1945, three days after the atomic bombing of Hiroshima, or Hiroshima, Japan, the U.S. dropped another nuclear device over Nagasaki. Keep in mind that Japan started that war in a very vicious way. Not the Japanese people but the people in charge of Japan at the time. They thought it was their time to take over the West, colonize America. Today, in 1969, actor Sharon Tate and four other people were found brutally slain at Tate's Los Angeles home. Cult leader Charles Manson and a group of his followers were later convicted of the crime. I've talked about this in the past on this program, it's, there's an inter- interesting connection there. I'll mention it in passing. For those of you who've been listening for a long time, you've heard me mention this. It was it was unforgettable, I guess, for me, at least. But we had a when I was in the church in North Hollywood, we had a close relationship with the Presbyterian Church in Hollywood. It wasn't too far away from our church, and. Um, the youth pastor and I had a, a good relationship. In fact, I was a guest speaker at Hollywood Press a couple of times because of that relationship. Well, when this all came down and in the aftermath of this Charles Manson thing, um, the the youth minister told me at, at, at Hollywood Press that Charles Manson was had been in and out of their youth group. And they had a youth group, they called it Salt and Light, I think, at the time. And uh, Manson had been kind of in and out of that, but he was hooked on drugs and he was really messed up, as a lot of kids in uh, the Hollywood area and elsewhere were at that time. But anyway, he had seen this movie uh, where Sharon Tate was in the movie, and in the movie she was pregnant. And as it turned out, the storyline, I haven't seen it, but the the storyline is that she gave birth to Satan, it was kind of a of a dark, demonic parallel to the virgin birth of, of Christ and his mother Mary. So the story went, the backstory, this I don't think this was ever in the news, but Manson, all drugged up and doped up and knowing a little bit about the Bible because he was in and out of this youth group, he decided that he was going to defeat Satan in his drugged up mind. And it was that motivation, apparently, that drove him to 
kill the actress Sharon Tate and these other people in their house. It was actually up in, I think it was Coldwater Canyon, just up out of North Hollywood where they live. But nonetheless, a very, very sad story. Is a just, I mean, it's where sin takes young people and older people as well. But it's a very, very sad story. Today in 2014, Michael Brown Jr., a black 18-year-old, he was shot to death by a police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. Brown's death led to violent protests in Ferguson and across the country, as we well know, gave birth to the Black Lives Matter movement. One year ago today, officials said the Taliban had taken control of two more provincial capitals in Afghanistan as U.S. troops withdrew in one of the most ineffective military operations in our country's history. I think no one would deny that. It was pathetic, to say the least. We left behind thousands of Afghans who had worked for our government on behalf of us as interpreters and a variety of other other jobs, thousands of them. We had promised that if we left the country, we would get them out. We didn't. We even left behind some of our own citizens because the planning of the Biden administration on this thing or the lack thereof was the most pathetic thing that most people who follow military activities, most of them said it was the most pathetic thing they'd ever seen in their lives, in their careers. Reading from scripture today, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, 12, and then 18, 19, and 20. The Bible said, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them that who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold, hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever under the order of Melchizedek. The bottom line is that our hope is in Jesus Christ. And the early church, those who, the leadership who wrote the New Testament, Paul in particular, but others as well, they were telling the Christians of their time and telling us today through God's inspired, infallible word, the Bible, telling us that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's essentially what they were saying. And today, if we put our hope in anything other than that, we are going to be profoundly disappointed and perhaps worse. That's the world we live in, but not to worry, because God is in control. God has a plan. He has promised us his plan, and he's promised to be with us in this journey of life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And we find that life in that hope that we just read about in Hebrews and elsewhere in the Bible, in the person of Jesus Christ. 
and his promises and God's word. You may have heard by now, and if you haven't, you certainly will. Former President Donald Trump's Florida home, Mar-a-Lago, was raided by FBI agents yesterday. Trump put out a statement yesterday. He said he was traveling on business, but his son Eric called him and told him, he said, Dad, the FBI is here, and uh, agents are here, and he said they're raiding our house. It's uh, Our house is under siege. Trump responded, he said, these are dark times for our nation as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. Nothing like this, Trump said, has ever happened to a president, a former president of the United States before. Trump noted his previous cooperation with law enforcement called the FBI raid on his home prosecutorial misconduct. Trump also said it's an example of the weaponization of the justice system who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024. And before we turn this off and say, well, you know, I really don't care if Trump runs or I don't want Trump to run, I think we should be careful before we touch that knob and turn it off because whether or not you like Trump and whether or not you want him to run again for president, what is happening around this individual is should be alarming and concerning, and it should be terrorizing to those who do not know the Lord personally. This is serious stuff that's happening. Trump said, after working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, the unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate. It's weaponization of the justice system. Third world countries, sadly, he said, do this a lot, but America has now become one of those countries, corrupt at a level not seen before. They even broke into my safe. What's the difference between this and Watergate, where operatives broke into the Democrat National Committee? Here in reverse, Democrats broke into the home of the 45th president of the United States. He said he has been politically persecuted for years. Well, I don't think anyone doubts that. And he pointed to the Russian collusion hoax narrative and two failed impeachments as examples of the continued persecution. He also pointed out that absolutely nothing has happened, he said, to failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, who deleted 33,000 emails where she was operating as Secretary of State of the United States, operating on her own server in her bedroom in she and Bill's house. I guess she and Bill lived together. I don't know. But anyway, their house in New York. Nothing has happened, and it hasn't. Trump is absolutely right. He said Hillary Clinton was allowed to delete and acid wash 33,000 emails after they were subpoenaed by Congress. Absolutely nothing has happened to her to hold her accountable. She even took antique furniture and other items from the White House. He said, I stood up for America's bureaucratic corruption, or I stood up to America's bureaucratic corruption. I restored power to the people and truly delivered for our country like we haven't seen before. That's a Trumpism. He said, the establishment hated it. Now, as they watch my endorsed candidates win big victories and see my dominance in all polls, they're trying to stop me and the Republican Party once 
more. The lawlessness, political persecution, and witch hunt must be exposed and stopped. He says, I will continue to fight for the great American people. Well, there's been a tremendous response to that. I mean, all kinds of, I mean, people are all over the place on this, but it's gotten everyone's attention. There's no question about it. Except, except for Governor Jay Inslee. (laughs) Oh, man. This morning he tweeted, it's a beautiful and hopeful morning in Washington. That's great. Made more so by the efforts of our two senators to pass climate legislation. Patty Murray, Senator Cantwell, this big step against climate change protects the long-term future of our state. Thank you, Senators. Well, I think that's a bunch of baloney, to be honest with you, and born and raised in the state. I've seen climate change for a number of years. It gets warmer, then it has cooler. We had warmer summers and we had cooler summers. We just weren't obsessed with the temperature and trying to use the temperature to get more money to give to our preferred clients, whoever they are, our supporters, whatever. I don't think much of climate change as the way it's presented. And I've read, I'm not a scientist, but boy, have I read a lot of scientific evidence on this. And there's as many, if not more scientists who are saying this is not as it's being presented to the public, but they are suppressed and they are not heard from for the most part. The people that are heard from are the scientists who, with the grants that they're receiving from the people whom they're serving, come out with the right results and the right reports on science. What, 12 years? Their planet's going to catch on fire. I've heard that at least for the last 24 years. It hasn't happened. God has a plan, and God is in control. And these people are manipulating climate change they from global warming to whatever they keep they keep evolving to follow what's actually happening and pretend as though they're causing that to happen it's like the rooster who crows and thinks that his crow causes the sun to rise in the morning i think that to me at least that defines a lot of politicians but nonetheless We live in a very convoluted, confused, corrupt world today. None the least of which is right here in our own America. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, when she heard about this assault, this siege of Trump's home, it was awful. They blew up the safe. They broke it. They cracked it. Some reports said they found nothing in it. Other reports say they found personal documents of the president's. I mean, his personal business stuff. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, she's one who was criticizing it very strongly. She said it's an unprecedented political weaponization of the Justice Department. They've been after Trump as a candidate, a president, and now as a former president. She said they're using the criminal justice system in this manner is un-American. Well, it is. The RNC slammed the raid as a double standard. They won't do anything about it, but they did. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, the Republican National Committee said. 
Countless times we have examples of Democrats flouting the law, abusing power with no recourse. Democrats continually weaponize the bureaucracy against Republicans. This raid is outrageous. This abuse of power must stop, and the only way to do that is, of course, to elect Republicans in November, they said. Well, and I believe that to a degree, if it's the right Republicans. But we're we're. We're electing Republicans that call themselves Republicans. There's a word for that, as you know, rhino. But they don't do what the platform of the party says. They don't follow that. They're above that. They're more important than that. They don't represent the people except when they're running for office. There's too many of them. That's part of the problem here. Trump, I guess, was in New York on business when the raid was carried out. Fox News says said last night the FBI source confirmed the FBI agents from Washington, D.C. They're part of the Bureau's evidence response team. They conducted the raid, said they notified the Miami field office just before they moved in on his, his resort there. That's his home. Fox says, per standard protocol, FBI Director Ray and Attorney General Garland, they were aware of the raid before it happened. They were briefed, so they're they're complicit with this. A White House official told Fox News that it did not have any notice of the reported action and referred all additional questions to the Department of Justice. There's a separate investigation that's into the efforts by Trump's allies to undo results of the 2020 presidential election. That's what Liz Cheney, a Republican, is doing, now leading Nancy Pelosi's select committee. They're trying to destroy Trump over the January 6th thing. This apparently, from what I've read overnight and this morning, this apparently has to do with a whole different uh, line of attack on Trump. It has to do with he, with Trump himself taking documents from the Oval Office and taking them to his personal office at Mar-a-Lago, not related to the January 6th thing. So it's two different lines of attack on this man. And um, they really don't want him to run for president. I, I mean, I, I, I think we have some really good people that could run for president. <clears throat> Trump is certainly one of them. And w- is he going to run? I don't know. I mean, I keep watching him. He keeps teasing. He keeps indicating that he's going to. Uh, the polls all would encourage him to. They're all very favorable to him. Ron DeSantis always comes in, and the polls I've seen comes in second uh, in the polls, uh, Republicans that, that Republican people, the Americans, would like to run for president or become president. So, I mean, there's a strong support for Trump. There's no question about that. Will he run? I don't know. But the greater concern, I mean, that is very important. But the greater concern is what is happening to my country? I know, I know when people get a little older and over 40 and they begin to look back. But I remember in my lifetime, when we pledged allegiance to the flag with our hand over our heart, and sometimes somebody led a prayer, for goodness sakes, in my lifetime. And nobody questioned it. I don't remember anybody in our community 
filing a lawsuit against the school because they said the word God. And we've gone from that to this. And I've been here to watch it. I know I'm not 18, but I'm not 100 either. I mean, we are on a fast track to destruction if we don't change. And the people in control now, they're all hyped up about climate change. God's in control of that. God created the climate to cycle warmer and cycle cooler. These people don't want to look at that. They don't want to look at the long term. They want to isolate a, a fire burning in Washington or California or whatever now and say, look, I told you, the world's on fire. Speaking of our lifetime, I remember when, I think it was Time Magazine, ran a cover article that we were facing another ice age. It was a big deal. People should be preparing for a coming new ice age. Well, it's not happening this week, I can tell you. So now it's the opposite of that. Now we need to prepare for and give away the wealth of America, transfer it to other third world countries, because climate is changing and the earth is going to burn up if we don't create a whole bunch of Chinese made. Yeah. <laughs> I won't go down that path, but nonetheless, the panels, the solar panels are mostly made in China, but. That's a discussion for another day. This FBI raid is related to taking information from D.C. So keep that in mind as you hear the reports today. There's no question we'll be talking about some of this again because it is a monumental time. It's a monumental. Nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States. But, you know, there's so many extenuating circumstances that lead up to this. There's a school district that's encouraging its community to report anyone who violates the district's anti-racism policies. Anti-racism, anti-discrimination, and anti-harassment policy at South Kingston High School District in, or school district in Rhode Island. And immediately you say, well, I don't live in Rhode Island. Yeah, but (laughs) there are people that do, but this is coming. This is part of the, this underlying move behind the, 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 the confidence that our government, the regime that's in Washington, D.C. now, the confidence that they have in themselves that this leftward lurch that they're taking this country on is going to work out just fine for them. They know, at least some of them do, because sometimes they speak up. On the left, they know that these policies that are being put in place are ultimately destructive policies. Whether it's to do with running a a siege on a former president's home or whatever it is, they know they'll get away with it. Hillary knew she could run her, I mean, Secretary of State is a pretty important office in America. She knew she could run that office from her home and the server in her bedroom. She knew she could clear that, delete and, and... acid wash so that you couldn't recover 33,000 emails that she didn't want anybody to see. She knew she could get away with it. She did it. And she did. Today, she's moving on. 
teasing a few people that'll listen to her that maybe she'll run for president. I mean, yeah, oh, man, you look at this and you think it truly is the emperor has no clothes and we need a child to stand up somewhere in the parade and say, hey, the emperor's naked. He doesn't have any clothes on, but we remain silent because, well, sometimes we're afraid to speak out. There are consequences when you speak out. I've, even I have learned that over the last number of years, particularly more recent years. In post-war Germany, Martin Niemöller, he's well-known by some words that he said, and I'll get to that in a moment. But he's well-known for his opposition to Nazi, the Nazi regime and as a former victim of Nazi persecution. In 1946, he traveled on a lecture tour in the western zones of Allied-occupied Germany, you don't hear this about Nemo, or you hear about his words, and I'll, I'll quote him in a moment. You know what they are, probably. But Nemo publicly confessed his inaction and his indifference to the fate of many of the Nazis' victims. He used phrases such as, I did not speak out. Or we preferred, <clears throat> excuse me, we preferred to keep quiet. He explained that in the first years of the Nazi regime, he remained silent as the Nazis persecuted other Germans. Many of the Nazi regime's earliest victims were members of leftist political movements, which Niemöller, who was a conservative, vehemently opposed. He was a pastor. He led a large group of people in the church. But Nazi persecution quickly expanded to encompass a variety of other people and groups, including, ultimately, Niemöller himself. Most Germans did not object to the Nazi actions. Rather, they blamed someone else. They either supported the regime or they ignored the plight of their fellow citizens. They didn't, I mean, they just didn't care. They said, well, you know, Rhode Island, I don't live in Rhode Island, so why should I care? Niemöller believed that after the war, many Germans were reluctant to confront their complicity with Nazism. He's right, they were. I've interviewed some in the past, on television particularly, but I've had some in the, the church that I pastored, and, and they've spoken. In his lectures, he bemoaned the individual Germans failed to accept responsibility for Nazism, German atrocities, and so on. And according to him, individual Germans were passing the blame onto their neighbors, their superiors, or the Nazi organizations like the Gestapo, this is not my fault. I don't have anything to do with this. Man, there's nothing I can do. I'm just one person. Niemöller considered his fellow Germans as the primary audience, and that's why he made his speaking tour. And here's what he said, famously enshrined at the Holocaust Museum now. He said, first they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist, and I didn't speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Lutheran pastor Niemöller. He's right. He's right. That's the time in which we live now, and we must be very aware, very informed, and very vigilant. That's why we do this program every day, and I want to thank you, all of you who support it. I, we could not do this without you. Your support is essential. 
Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Thanks for being here today. I'll see you tomorrow.